G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. All right. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dominic. How are you today? I'm really happy and excited. Excellent. I love that. For any reason or you just are? Uh, Because I've now got a slightly different recording setup and hopefully my computer will not be whirring in the background, distracting us and reducing the sound quality of our episodes. So that's made me really, really happy. How about you? How are you? That is a good thing to be happy about. I really like that. I'm well. I did... I did an exercise yesterday and then I did an additional exercise today. So that is an exercise per day in two days. So I am struggling to walk, but (laughs) we make it work. More so than usual. (laughs) More so than usual. All right, Kate Schwarzenegger. Uh, mm, That's me. Yeah. Well done. That is really good. Hats off to you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get back into a routine these days. Oh, honestly, I it's it's challenging. I'm still on school holidays, so I'm, you know, I don't need to do anything any given day. Um, so it was definitely a choice, but it was much needed because I just I think pretty sure my diet has just been carbs. Mm-hmm. That full stop, just a carb for every meal, including only drinking beers. Um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much been it, which has been a delight. Um, but if I do want to have any clothes to wear at school that aren't art smocks, then I'll need to, you know, shape up a touch. I'm now into third generation COVID outfits. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. It's a look. It is. I mean, they look fashionable. It's just, they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, but I'm with you. I think we're all in that. We're definitely all in that same boat, which mm. is sinking into the water a little more than usual. but that's fine. All right. I'm just, I can't hold any longer. I'm too excited to tell you this story. Okay. I'm here for it. I'm excited that you're excited. Let's do it. Well, I, this might sound really conceited or vain or whatever, but I was so inspired by myself. <laughs> It's like the full Snoop Dogg moment when he did that acceptance speech. It was yeah. like, you know, the last person I want to thank is me for my hard work and my dedication and how good I am. And I'm here for it. There is, It's not conceded. If you've done the work and if you like figured something out, you go, do you know what? That's actually a really cool idea. Own it. I love it. Run with it. Yeah, I won't say I did all the work, but I'm <laughs> piggybacking off of the great people who have done lots of work. But great. more so in the fact that I had such a ball telling the Soda Children story the other week that I'm really getting into my mysteries again. And if anyone knows me personally, I'm a massive Agatha Christie escape rooms. If you watch a movie with me where there's some sort of mystery, I am literally sitting there with a notepad taking notes and I'm all about figuring these things out. So brilliant. this week I am going back to my roots and sharing probably one of my favorite stories ever told in the history of humanity and Dominic. (laughs) 
love it. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited already. Because the world revolves around me, obviously. Yeah, well, it does. Uh, yeah. So we're, I'm telling another mystery story. Um, and it really taps into a fear because we always bring these back to our fears, don't we, Kate? Always. This is more of a, like an emotional fear, um, mm. more like about being vulnerable. And it's a fear of dying alone, being completely alone. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so get your box this of is, tissues out. <laughs> this might be a bit personal, Dominic. <laughs> yes. I am currently uh, between partners. <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't go too personal. Yeah, understood. <laughs> but uh, what, what, where I first learned about this story is an amazing podcast called Death in Ice Valley. And... I'm not going to say too much about it. Just, oh, I won't say stop listening to us because you should mm. finish our uh, our episode first. Obviously, but go afterwards and download this uh, series of, of podcasts um, or episodes um, called Death in Ice Valley, and it is probably one of the best things that I've ever ever witnessed and listened oh my gosh. to. I've so. never heard that, and I'm going to listen to it. I will. I will stay on for this recording. Thank you. But I will. <laughs> afterwards imagine if i just went oh i'm gonna go now and i left and then you there was just a few listeners that it might you know, look i'm happy to talk to fine. myself i do it quite often <laughs> always good to have a conversation with someone intelligent yes well meh, semi <laughs> but we're pop culture smart you know exactly. you don't need to be book smart we're pop culture smart. street smart i like to say yes exactly so this is the story of the Isdal woman. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to go through it pretty quickly. Um, as I said, there's other places that have done a much better job than I'm going to do, but I just want to give you the high-level points of this, this amazing mystery. And then please, you know, we don't have enough time in one episode to do it justice, so go and listen to some, some others and uh, you will not be disappointed. So, our story begins on the afternoon of the 29th of November, 1970. A man and his two daughters were hiking in the foothills of the north face of Ilkin. Ilkrin? I can't Ooh. say it properly. No, perfect. It's not an episode of Shit and Bricks unless we pronounce something really poorly. Exactly. Yeah. I'll do it in an Aussie accent since this is an Aussie po podcast. Yes. All Rickon. <laughs> and See, perfect. Exactly. That's so much better. <laughs> Excellent. So we're in All Rickon. Yep. Great. In an area known as Isdalen, uh, which is Ice Valley. Mm -hmm. It was also nicknamed Death Valley. And uh, it was nicknamed that due to the area's history of suicides in the Middle Ages. And more recently, there's been quite a few uh, uh, hiking accidents and sort of mysterious happenings and things going on. So there's, there's sort of like a vibe about this this uh, part of the world. So yeah. interesting. Um, now, this father and his daughters, they noticed an unusual burning smell. And one of the daughters soon discovered the charred body of a woman located among the scree. Now, scree, if you've never heard that word before, it's just like a small, loose stone, rubble sort of collection of um, rubble and stones. Okay. Um, so not Captain Hook's 
right hand person. Well done, you picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> is it? It's Smee though. Is it that one, Smee? It is Smee. So Scree yeah. and Smee. But Perfect. yes, that's okay. sort of the location where they're finding this body. So it's not out in like, it is out on a hiking trail. There's obviously bush and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But picture the ground and it's almost like a really slate, granity, pebbly kind of rocky terrain that, that okay. the body is, is found on. Obviously, very surprised and fearful, the group uh, returned to notify the police. So... The investigation. Bergen police responded relatively quickly and launched a full-scale investigation. Uh, now, this is not just like down the road, around the corner, up a little path. This is quite a remote place. So it okay. took them quite a while to get to where the body was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's remote and it's there's a reason why. Um, Ooh, we'll get to. I like, is this like the timber framed house from the Sodder Children? Great. I'm, I'm in for it. <laughs> I'm glad that you pay attention. It shows that, some, that you really care. I do. I do really care. <laughs> All right. So examining the site, police noted that the woman's uh, supine position, and that means facing down. I'm, I'm recreating it as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for those listening. <laughs> He did a good job, though, I will say. (laughs) But we need to note just that positioning of the body. I mean, just forensics in general, if if you've not done any reading or research into into forensic science, it is fascinating what they discover and what the body can tell us about its positioning and its even, like, physiological reactions to the body. It's in certain types of trauma. Mm. And that plays a really big part in this story. And, I mean, Gil Grissom from CSI could tell you all you need to know. Oh, Just seasons one till I don't know how many, but I had a real crush on him when I was younger, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a little bit of a thing to um, admit. I have never watched a single episode of any S- uh, CSI franchise. Really? Ever. Oh, my gosh. It was like trailblazing in exactly what you're talking about where it was you know what the body can tell you and they would do this like fancy pants camera moves and like (laughs) zoom in on something and recreate someone's skull but then they would peel it back and show the injury and I learned everything I need to know. I feel like I am missing out and it's been so long and too long now that I almost am embarrassed to go back but maybe I'll save it for my retirement and I can just sit there and watch watch the 976 seasons or however many there are. Yeah perfect. So the police are obviously doing – they did an incredible job all the way through this investigation, by the way, but they start off with examining uh, the woman's body and the position in which they found it, which is facing upwards. Her clenched hands were up by her torso and there was an absence of a nearby campfire. So why is there a burned body? There's no campfire nearby and she has got classic signs of – being burned quite severely the mm. body has clenched and reacted in a way almost as if something like an, a fire has gone off in her face oh god okay the, the front of her body and her clothes had been severely burned and she was completely unrecognizable also located or placed near the body and affected by the fire were an empty bottle of saint halvard liqueur mm-hmm. two plastic water bottles a plastic passport container, rubber boots, a woolen jumper, a scarf, nylon stockings, an umbrella, a purse, a matchbox, 
a watch, two earrings and a ring. This sounds like one of those things like you have to remember the sequence of things as like a memory test, which I'm not going to, but that is a really bizarre collection of items mm-hmm. at this really remote scree area. So you don't need to remember what they are really. Okay. They're, they're, I think it's more important to know the fact that they were not on her. They were next to her. Mm. Around the body were traces of burned paper and beneath it was a fur hat, which was later found to have traces of petrol. Right. All identifying marks and labels on these items had been removed or rubbed off. Okay. Okay. You got me. I'm intrigued. I'm here. I'm here for this story. Good. Now, three days later, investigators found two suitcases belonging to the woman at Bergen Railway Station. In the lining of one, police discovered five 100 Deutschmark notes, which is about 137 US dollars in 1970. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a significant amount of money for the time. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Among other items, they found clothing, shoes, wigs, makeup, eczema cream, 135 Norwegian krona, Belgian, British and Swiss coins, Maps, timetables, a pair of glasses with non-prescription lenses, sunglasses with partial fingerprints that matched the body, cosmetics, and a notepad. So was all of that distributed by the Q branch? Because she sounds like a secret agent, <laughs> for sure. Well, hold on to that thought. Oh, okay. I'm so excited. No. It... This is the trouble because when we, uh, you know, we've said a million times that we don't read each other's stuff, but th- sometimes, yeah, we'll just no, but it's go good. too far ahead. It's so good. It's good. It's really interesting. Um, and also with the body, any possible identifying information, yeah, it's all gone. There's nothing to suggest, yeah. To just clearly state, here's a passport or here's a... Here's a uh, yeah, here's a driver's license in their pocket. This is the person. This is where they live. Yeah, and a yeah. shopping list of all the weird shit that they found. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, an, on, an autopsy at the uh, Gates Institute concluded the woman had died from a combination of incapacitation by phenobarbital mm. and poisoning by carbon monoxide. All right. I'm pretty sure everyone knows knows what phenobarbital is. It's a favourite of anyone that's into true crime, but go look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, soot was found in her lungs, indicating she was alive as she burned, and her neck was bruised, possibly from a fall or by a blow. Okay. Like impact Yeah, uh, hit with injury. something or has, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, analysis of her blood and stomach showed that she had consumed between 50 and 70 phenomal brand sleeping pills and found next to her body were a further 12 sleeping pills. At autopsy, her teeth and jaw were removed due to her unique gold filling dental work and tissue samples of her organs were taken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting, right? Yeah. You, here's someone that's obviously died in quite weird circumstances she's got she's got alcohol drugs she's got lots of different things in her system she's died by multiple different ways almost you know it's 
Strange to say the least. Definitely. Police obviously launched an appeal for information in the Norwegian uh, media regarding the case. Oh, by the way, we're in Norwegia. <laughs> Norwegia, perfect. I love Norwegia. Let's do it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I love, I don't know what I was watching, but someone was talking about Norwegian people and this, the person that was asking questions is like, is that mean they're from Norwegia? And I'm like, oh my goodness. I do believe it is. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's just. So we're in Norwegia. Yeah. Where the Norwegians speak Norwegian. <laughs> Great. Um, Obviously, we're being very sarcastic for anyone that's uh, listening. Oh, yeah. You've got to be careful. I mean, to be honest, we're at episode, what, 13? If people haven't picked up that we're sarcastic (laughs) or use humour to deal with things, then, yeah, they they haven't quite cottoned on quick enough. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But please email, you know, send us an email, send us a DM. Happy to ignore. So the police do what often police will do when they hit a bit of a roadblock. It's all, you know, the media can both be a great and a very terrible tool. But Mm. uh, the Norwegian police uh, decided to, you know, they made an appeal through the Norwegian media um, for help. So and they discovered that the last time she was seen alive was on the 23rd of November when she checked out of room 407 at the Hotel Horaheman. Horaheman. (laughs) Hot even. Hot even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the COVID coughs back. The spicy cough, the hot even. <laughs> now, hotel staff told police that she was good looking and roughly 1.63 metres uh, 1. tall. So it's that about, is how tall I am. Yeah, five foot. Precisely. Four inches uh, mm-hmm. with dark brown hair and small brown eyes. Staff noted that the woman kept mainly to her room and seemed to always be on guard. When she checked out, she paid her bill in cash and requested a taxi. Her movements between then and the discovery of her body remain unknown to this day. A mystery. Now, police were able to decode the notepad entries. Remember, there was a notepad found in the luggage at the railway station. Mm-hmm. and determined that they indicated dates and places the woman had visited. As a result, based on handwritten check-in forms, police determined that the Isdal woman had travelled around Norway, i.e. Oslo and Trondheim, Trondheim, Trondheim mm-hmm. and Stavanger. Um, Stavanger she yeah. was also seen in Paris. And across all these different areas, she racked up a total of at least eight fake passports and aliases. Ooh, Mm. okay. Now, while details such as birthdays and occupations uh, change from one form to another, she consistently gave her nationality as Belgian. The forms were filled out in either German or French, but she always said that she was Belgian. All right. By the way, in Belgium, it's quite... uh, Not in Belgium. In Belgium, (laughs) it is quite common to speak... Uh, German and French. I believe it's Belgiana. Belgian. Belgiana. Belgiana. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now it was also learned that the woman had previously stayed at several hotels in Bergen. And so that's a town and there's obviously more than one hotel. Um, and she was known to change rooms after checking in. She often told hotel staff that she was Excuse me, a traveling saleswoman and antiques dealer. 
Mm. One witness said that she overheard the woman talking to a man in German in a Bergen hotel. Others who met her mentioned she also spoke Flemish and broken English and smelled of garlic. Oh, so she's not a vampire. No, not a vampire. I'm crossing that off my list. Now, it was also noticed that she wore wigs. It was quite, you know, whatever she was wearing back then, she clearly didn't have uh, lace front wigs. Yeah. Um, so it okay, was, so they looked a little Yeah, it was obvious. noticeable. Mm-hmm. Now, composite sketches were done based on witness uh, descriptions and analysis of her body. They were then circulated in many countries via Interpol. So quite mm. a significant effort was put in. Um Despite the significant police resources deployed, the unknown woman was never identified and the case was quickly closed. Yeah. While authorities concluded that she had committed suicide by ingestion of sleeping pills, others always believed that there was evidence that she was murdered. Moida. Moida. Not on this podcast, (laughs) Moida. Well, the thing is, she's burned so badly that they can't identify her from her face. Hmm. She, you know, that part of her body is completely burned. You would think that, you know, if she's taken, you know, the sleeping tablets, the, the phenobarbital and alcohol and, you know, and then just fallen asleep near a fire. Where's the fire? Like, she's not then going to pick herself up and move after she's carked it mm-hmm. and then put all her little items all around. It, that's not adding up. One plus one is three at the moment, Dom. Mm. And I know that that's not what it usually equals. Absolutely. Now, look, it's hard to to know what the state of mind that she was in and all those sorts of things. Um, It was just clearly suspicious. Mm. The the lack of evidence of who she was, the, the passports, the everything, the fact that she was up in the middle of nowhere, not in the type of clothing that was appropriate for the weather or for the terrain. Yeah. Um, a fur hat covered in petrol. That's not usually on the top of my packing list. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, the, sadly, they couldn't follow up. Uh, there was no further investigation. 1970, we're not talking, at, you know, we're talking about a time where things like DNA and all that sort of stuff, are not they're not around yet. Yeah. Um, it's a bit rudimentary what, what they can do and it relies a lot on, you know, witnesses and, and, and speculation and so on. And 1970, it's an interesting time in the, in the world too. But uh, sadly, the case was closed, but there were always questions, more questions than answers about what actually happened and who was this Isdal woman. Yeah, and I can imagine as well, I mean, you, you may get to it, but I can imagine they've closed the case as well because nobody has reported anybody missing or anything like that, which is, you know, similar to the composite sketches or... Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but that's what I'd imagine back in that day. They've, they're like, yeah, we better close the case. They're good questions to ask. Now, on the 5th of February 1971, the woman was given a Catholic burial, which was just based on her use of saints' names on check-in forms and so on. It was just a guess. Okay. Yep. Uh, she was buried in an unmarked grave within the Molendal graveyard located in Bergen. It was attended by 16 members of the Bergen police force. She was buried in a zinc coffin to both preserve her remains and for ease of disinterment, which means they had the foresight to go, clearly we don't know everything. There's quite possibly going to be an opportunity in the future for 
other investigators or other technology to maybe yeah, solve Gil this. Yeah, Gil Grissom might choose to come in on the case. Absolutely. And <laughs> how about we do our best to set that up for all sorts of success? That's pretty... That's Interesting. So hats off to Norwegians. Yeah, well done, Norwegians. Um, but also, that's really cute that the police officers went, 16 coppers. That, mm. Like, they don't know who this person is. That's that's a really nice, respectful, sweet thing for them to go to the mm-hmm. funeral. Agreed. Her ceremony was also photographed in case relatives ever came forward at a later date. Okay. So, very sweet. Yeah. Now, theories. Let's get into theories, shall we? Let's do we? it. Book, bit of book, cat, cow. Many questions obviously remain unanswered about the case. Obviously, number one of all is who the hell is this woman? Um, but other questions include uh, the reasons for the woman's many identities and unexplained travel plans. Multiple investigations point to the possibility that she was a spy. Mm-hmm. Given the Cold War context of the time, mm-hmm. uh, there have been other cases of similar people that have turned up dead or have been in other criminal activity or other mysterious circumstances that have got luggage with no names and multiple, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, multiple passports and all of that. Yeah. There's yeah. also a very famous one in Australia, which I'm not even going to mention because one day I'm going to do that one too. Oh, amazing. I love that. But uh, yes, it was quite, you know, quite widely believed that she was potentially a spy. Um, Now, Norway had also experienced other strange disappearances in the 1960s, close to military installations, which uh, also traced back to international espionage. So there was lots of stuff happening all throughout Europe. Yeah, definitely. Particularly at that time. I mean, that that was huge historically. The declassified records of the Norwegian Armed Forces also reveal that many of the women's movements seem to correspond to top-secret trials of the Penguin Missile Program. A fisherman is also reported to have recognised the unknown woman while observing military movements in Stavanger. The nine identities used in the hotels, no passports were obviously ever found, Mm -hmm. so they were not real or obviously they were fake in some description. And this could imply the involvement of a very professional organisation, government or otherwise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Spectre. Sorry. (laughs) If you all can't tell if you're watching the the video version of this, like I've mentioned I've got a James Bond poster on my wall. Like I'm a huge fan. That's all. That's that's the only place I'm going to go. Love it. And in (laughs) honour of episode 13, we will call the Isdale woman number 13. Perfect. I love that. Number 13. Now, number 13, uh, it was, you know, she was either potentially working for an organisation like a government secret service or Mm -hmm. she was possibly working for a criminal gang as well, which also had access to fake passports and so on. Now, this is where I think I love that. I say that all the time. This is where it gets interesting. Yes. Okay. It hasn't been interesting up until this point, so thank God. I know. I bore the (laughs) shit out of all of us. Now, the taxi driver who took the woman from the Hotel Bergen railway station was never found. (gasps) Now, remember the last time that she was sighted was... Getting into a taxi. Yep. 
1991, however, a taxi driver wishing to remain anonymous said that after picking up the unknown woman at the hotel, they were joined by another man for the ride to the train station. So 20-something years later, or, you know, 18, 18-ish years later, this person has said this happened. More than 20 years, yeah. So that's in 1991. In 2005, a Bergen resident who was 26 at the time, so this all happened in 1970 was when the woman's body was discovered. Mm -hmm. She was 26 at the time. She told a local newspaper in 2005 that after seeing the sketch circulated, he had suspected that the dead woman was a woman he had seen five days before the body was found when he was also hiking and hiking in that same hillside. Surprisingly, she was dressed lightly for the city rather than for a hike and was mm. walking ahead of two men wearing coats who looked southern, air quotes, southern. Okay. I'd say that's southern European, okay? Mm-hmm. Not like from Texas. They didn't have cowboy hats and big, big coats on. True. Maybe they did. Who knows? We are in Norway. I'm just getting pictures of Yellowstone. (laughs) (laughs) We are in Norway, so pretty much everybody is southern of Norway. Yes, so so true. (laughs) It was just like some person from Sydney just in a coat because they're southern. No, I I agree. I think southern European. (laughs) Yeah, but I love that that was (laughs) Makes more sense. That's the word that they chose to use. Yeah. Um, He also described her as appearing very resigned and seemed about to say something to him as they passed, but she didn't. He went to someone he knew at the police to report this, but was told to forget about it. Therefore, neither his name nor his alleged sighting was recorded at the time. So 25 years, 35 years later, he came forward and said, hey, this is what I remember seeing. Yep. But I was told at the time just to forget about it. Now, was he told to forget about it because they're in cahoots? Or was he told to forget about it because they were like, what are you going to do? They're just people walking on a trail. Like, what do you want from us? Which is, you know, kind of fair as well. I think it was probably like two men in black and a flashy thing. And he just all of a sudden didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Two men in black and a flashy thing sounds like a great... A great name for a band. Yeah. Um, or an interesting Friday night out. Well, they made or. four movies about it and everyone got paid a shit ton of money. And here's you and I doing this for free. We're much <laughs> more creative. Anyway, that was in 2005. In 2016, the case was officially reopened and NRK, which is uh, Norwegian Royal something or other, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a body police policing body, commissioned the American artist Stephen Massal to create six alternative sketches of the Isdar woman, which was shown to people who had supposedly seen her. Okay. In 2017, stable isotope analysis of the woman's teeth taken from her unburied jawbone. Remember, they removed her jawbone separately because she had very interesting dental work done. She would have looked a trait. Well, in the in the ground, wouldn't she? True. Okay, but they've taken that out because she's got interesting dental work. They've kept that. They're really they were really thinking about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Okay. So they did stable isotope analysis, and if you've never heard of this before, either listen to the podcast I suggested at the start, mm-hmm. or go look this up. It is 
it was the first time I'd ever heard about it. And it is nothing short of fucking amazing. And I have to swear because how it basically works is that from your bones and especially your teeth where you eat and they're sort of an exposed part of your body, you know, they're really the only exposed part of your bone out there that from birth, from fucking birth, depending on whether you are close to a certain type of radioactivity, whether you eat a certain type of food, whether you're close to the ocean and the salt and just all the environmental potential impacts that could have on your teeth, that is mapped like the tree rings in a tree in your teeth. And this technology is so unbelievably accurate that they can pinpoint people to diff- to their ages and different areas of the world, quite specific. Like it's fascinating. Oh my oh god, god, it is so fucking cool. So, you're t- if you keep on pumping it up like this, I will leave you to tell the rest of this story and go and listen to that other part. Yeah. But I'm I'm really working hard. I'm here for this. I'm staying. Cool. But I do want to listen to that one after. That sounds awesome. We are not far off. So. We're in 2017. This happened in 1970, right? It's 47 years later. Yeah, good maths. As the Norwegian police were aware or predicted that there would be technology that could possibly help in the future. And it's only it's just fantastic that someone actually came forward. And this was all very new technology, even in 2017. But luckily they had the jawbone and it indicated that the woman had born, had been born in about 1930, right. plus or minus four years, which I think is pretty forgivable. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. If we're talking about something that has, you know, someone that has been dead since 1970, mm. it's now f- nearly 50 years. Like, oh my God, that's crazy. What was also really interesting is that they could determine that she was born in or around Nuremberg, Germany. Oh, cool. Excuse me. And that's from all of these elements and stuff and the, oh, God. Yep. That's really cool. So 1930-ish and in Nuremberg, Germany. Now, remember they thought that she was Belgian. She always talked about being Belgian. Yeah, and she always had that on all the, the passports as well. So not only could they determine that she was most likely born in Nuremberg, Germany, but also from what they found in the isotopes in her teeth, but they, that she had most likely moved to France or the France-Germany border as a child. That's so cool. It That's is so fascinating. Right? That they could do that. Oh, God. And if you're not good with your geography, which I'm assuming I'm a lot of people are not, but... Mm-hmm. France, Germany, Belgium are all obviously very, like, pinprick detail close to each other in in Europe. So Mm -hmm. it's spot on. You know, it's making sense. I mean, if they had said that she was... (laughs) (laughs) She was from Mozambique and she was was born in the year 2000, (laughs) even though her body's dead, like... (laughs) Year 2000, plus or minus 26 years, yeah. Yeah, you you would be a bit hokey about this isotope business. (laughs) (laughs) now this was all reinforced uh sorry this reinforced earlier analysis of her handwriting which suggested that she'd been educated in france or a neighboring country an analysis also indicated she had been to a dentist in either east asia central europe or southern europe 
or South America, which actually, that's really stupid because that's like half the globe. Mm, mm. But there were dental techniques used and materials used in her dental work which suggested that it came from any, any of those regions. Yeah, okay. And from someone that's born in 1930, you know, 1930 to 1970, she's 40 years old-ish, that's a hell of a lot of travelling if she'd been to all those parts of the world. Absolutely. But it does, I mean, it makes sense based on what was found in her luggage. You know, she seems to be traveling, traveling a lot. She knows lots of languages, uh, seems to be very worldly. Exactly. Now, in 2018, NRK and the BBC published a podcast series titled Death in Ice Valley, <laughs> which included interviews with eyewitnesses and forensic scientists, also suggesting that the Isdal woman's birthplace may have been southern Germany or the French-German border region, and that she was likely born in 1930, plus or four years, um, yeah. and she was also likely raised in French-speaking Belgium. That is so cool so, that that. And that was the year that I first heard it, when, when this uh, was released, I... Uh, it had just sorry, it had just been released and that was uh, when I first heard about it and I listened to it as I was about to travel to that part of the world. Wow. So I was all caught up in the excitement of not retracing the steps of the Isdal woman, but I'm like, sure. I'm in the same part of the world. This is legitimately, I don't know, maybe because I listened to it when I did, I think it's amazing, but it is so fucking good of a podcast. But it's it's also awesome. It's very rare for us to talk about some of these stories but then it become relevant again in modern time exactly right for them to again have that foresight of yeah Yeah. keeping that those remains really well and yeah fascinating so ever since then i've been following this story um every year i look it up just to see what's new but uh in two in june 2019 the following year the bbc revealed that listeners of the podcast had given some more clues Further, Colleen Fitzpatrick, a geneticist with DNA uh, Doe Project. I didn't look that up, so I don't know what it is, but I imagine it's some sort of quite international well-known project or organisation that works with DNA. Definitely. Um, uh, Colleen, she contacted the Death in Ice Valley team to offer her help in identifying the woman through genetic genealogical uh, isotope testing of the autopsy tissue. And in 2019, after a publication on the case in the Le Republican Lorraine, <laughs> an inhabitant of Faubach, France, Faubach. Uh, claims to have had a relationship with the woman in the summer of 1970. Stop it. The woman, supposedly a, poly, like a polyglot, supposedly had Balkan accent. She pretended to be about 26 years old, but often dressed herself up to look younger and okay. refused to share any of her personal details. She is said to have often received scheduled phone calls from abroad. The resident managed to rifle through her belongings and found various rigs and wigs and colorful clothes. He had also pilfered a photograph of the woman riding a horse. And suspecting that she was a spy, he considered contacting the authorities, but was afraid to do so. His story and the photograph were published in a subsequent issue in the newspaper. Tell me that is not one of the most amazing things you have 
ever heard that what that's like that's 30 40 so 50 other years later you know heaps heaps lots of years all the yeah. years um and someone Did came forward from 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 all of this and supposedly had a, a relationship with a relationship this. and did the the photo did they look at some of the composite sketches and did it kind of match yeah as Woo! as matchy as it can be yeah for the of course time. yeah 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 definitely oh <gasps> damn so i have told this story because a it's a, a, i love the mystery of it it's a personal yep. favorite of mine I have a fear of dying alone and no one being able to figure out what happened to you or yeah. you being forgotten. But I also love that I've given, like, there's updates along the way to this story. Um, Definitely. It's so, so relevant and interesting. But um, And did anything come of that? The guy that said that he had the relationship? I mean, they it's difficult for them to really kind of do anything, isn't it? They can't really prove him correct or incorrect. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest issue is trying to connect it back to a missing persons or a family that had someone that, you know, had a long lost aunt that went and did something or, you know, it's, you know, she was born in 1930 mm. in Europe. It's not a great time to it's have been alive. Time. Yeah, that's right. And uh, she records and things and family could be scattered to the four winds, you know, and yeah. sorry, that's not a very, it's not but a very tasteful knows too, thing to you say. Know, all but... of the sec best secret agents, you know, they're, they're hand selected because they don't have any immediate family mm. or maybe they only have an aunt and an uncle or something and then they just disappear off the face of the earth. And so, of course, it makes sense if she is doing some sort of clandestine activity Nobody would come forward and say we're missing her because they wouldn't even know that she exists. Exactly. And of course, the organisation, which if they've killed her for whatever reason, or if a you know a, a alternate organisation has discovered her and killed her because of that, why? Like, of course, no one's going to come forward and be like, oh yeah, that was our that was our spy. Sorry, mm. she discovered some stuff she shouldn't have. So we shoved her full of phenobarbital and <laughs> set her on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's she in all accounts. I mean, that she they said that she was good looking, but she was pretty unremarkable. There's not much that was unique about the way that she looked. I mean, even her teeth, yes, maybe, but nothing that stood out from all the people that supposedly witnessed her. It's not like there was something that could be captured from those eyewitnesses that would trigger a memory or an idea. Yeah, like a really unusual. Uh, birthmark or something on the face, then a family yeah. will always be like, "Yes, my auntie always had that." It's a, of course, it's a thing. But the body was conveniently disturbed in a way that made it impossible for you to accurately yeah. do Determine any of this. Who she was. Yeah. yeah, of course, and as well. I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times she always had wigs and different coloured clothing and things. So even if you met her once and she's blonde, that's how you'd always remember her. It's very difficult to picture someone with different coloured hair, you know, later years later down the track or something like that. So that was obviously her job was to be a chameleon mm. and to blend in. And so if you're blending in, nobody's ever going to remember mm. enough detail to be able to share that with someone for them to identify them. Wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an interesting story and, and I think – it always looped back to that fear of mine of just, I just have this picture and this image of her 
being aware of what's happening and she's being marched off into the into the forest up this hike and she knows what's going to happen and she I don't know whether she'd put up a fight or accept what's happened but then she's you know her body's in a graveyard and no one knows who she is I don't know yeah. it's, it's less of a scare fear it's more of a an emotional fear but I thought yeah. let's let's go do I'm showing a softer side oh I love it I'm, I love the vulnerability I'm here <laughs> but I, I do agree though it's something about and I think you know you and I are very fortunate we've got family coming out of our family like we've yeah. just got so many people in our lives and we're very very lucky uh for that but you do I, I sometimes do think you know you watch a film or you read a book or you discover a character that is completely alone like no family no you know maybe they've lost them in terrible circumstances maybe separated maybe people choose not to be part of their family totally you know um something that happens and so if you then choose that I just, that boggles my brain to, mm -hmm. to live that sort of life and for you to make those choices to be alone if you're working in clandestine services or whatever the case may be. <gasps> yeah. Different what time. What would her thoughts be? What would have her final thoughts have been? Mm. I mean, I can't get out of my head that like two cowboys <laughs> from the south are carrying her or marching her up this hill. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, <laughs> but certainly you do wonder what she would be thinking. Yeah. Does she know it's going to happen? Is she, has she already been drugged? So she's not really sure. Mm. Is she? Yeah. But look, as much of a mystery, it's mystery in the sense that we don't have the answers, but I think, look, I think it's pretty, uh, I think the evidence that is left behind, I think it's pretty it's pretty obvious that she was doing something yeah. work-wise or whatever uh, that was unusual and um, that the way in which her body was found and, the, and what was done to it, I think, are suspicious. And if it happened today, I have a feeling that, or A, we've got better technology and, and so on, but I think... I, I think I would hope that her her death would be ruled as as suspicious and not as just unsolvable or she yeah. committed suicide by yep. blowing like, something up in her face and <laughs> killing herself with yeah whatever you know and crawling it's away a hell from of the fire a lot of work. I got things to do out of stuff. I would have given up and be like well yes. fuck it I'll just end up keep <laughs> on going anyway may as well <laughs> I'll get some better wigs and check out some of those southern men, shall I? I just singed off my eyebrows. I suck at this. Forget it. I'll just start working at the cafe. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the uh, mystery of the Isdale woman. But, Kate, have we got uh, any hints or little snippets of what, what we might hear tomorrow? I mean, not tomorrow. It's not tomorrow. Why would it be tomorrow? Next week. I mean, week. it could be tomorrow, but that's gonna that means that we'll just have to be recording 24-7, which, like, I'm okay with, but we might lose a bit of steam. Yeah. We might lose a little bit of puff. So, I mean, firstly, I loved that mystery. I love that story. That was really good. I was completely sucked in, and I'm definitely going to go and listen to Death in Ice Valley. Is that the name? Yeah. Okay, I'm definitely going to listen to that, especially considering I didn't, realized that it was by the bbc and the and the nrk is yeah. it that's like a specialized Oof. those that's legit yeah. that's not just like you know you and i having a chat about this big story no, please, there's like people involved yeah please do not get uh disheartened by the quality it's a different okay. style of podcast to what we do sure. obviously and yeah. maybe one day when people give us money uh to do it yeah. we can replicate it but it's it's it is it is artistic 
how it's yeah. done. So enjoy. Well, I'll listen and I'll take some tips and then we'll add that to ours. Done. Uh, but yes, I am going to be doing uh, ne- the next episode will be my story episode. And I know that I spoke about it a few weeks ago. I did weather part one. Mm-hmm. So I felt that it is enough time has passed for people to, you know, sample some different wares from our podcast, but it's definitely time for weather part two. Yes. So I'm going to be having a bit of a chat about some of the different uh, natural disasters and weather forces that I didn't get to talk about in the first episode. Uh, and there will be lots more movie TV references. That's just what I do. And facts about phobias and survival tips where I can provide them. Awesome. I mean, it's quite timely because there has been some rather interesting weather phenomena, phenomena, There have. The past week or there so. Has. so. There have. There has. Both. There have. There will be. There has. There is. It just reminds me of cheer. We can. <laughs> we will. We must. We. We can. We will. We must. <laughs> oh, God. That's <laughs> way too positive, even for me. I know. Um, but yes, that's what I'm going to be having a chat about, which I'm really, really, um, pumped. It's going to be great. So make sure you do tune into that. And we do mention some of our previous podcasts. So if you are a brand new listener and you've just started tuning in, do go back and have a listen to some of our other ones. They're very unique. Dom and I take it in turns telling our stories and, um, listening and reacting just like you. Uh, so we want you to go back and have a listen to them and send us feedback Make sure you jump on the socials, uh, Shit and Bricks podcast. We want to hear from you. So send us some stuff. Awesome. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Kate. Have a great rest of your day. See I'll see you, you soon. Time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Such a dickhead. I love it. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.